It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventure Podcast. Today's guest is Justin Kinner. He has a long list of uh, runs or running resume, might we say. I uh, finished the Grand Slam and quite a few hundreds and a bunch of other races in between. Justin, how's it going? Good. Yeah, glad to, glad to be here. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, and no, I'm excited to, excited to share, share, share my story and uh, kind of just connect. Perfect. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into running and any other sports you may have played when you were a kid or any of that stuff. Yeah, so I uh, grew up being active, grew up with a very active family. We were always doing stuff outside, um, hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, backpacking. Um, and that kind of just grew with us as the, as the family grew in age. We, our, our sense of adventure just never, never waned. We, um, I'm the youngest of four, so we all kind of followed my oldest brother, John, into uh, his kind of athletic endeavors. And uh, he did cross-country running in the fall, did Nordic skiing in the winter, and then um, we all were soccer players. He ran track. I ran track up until uh, junior high and then played soccer in high school as well. But, yeah, no, we just have always been a very active and supportive family and um, always been outside. And um, I guess, yeah, that kind of just blossomed for me Um, once I was done skiing in college at the University of Wyoming. I found found the ultra running world, ultra running community and um, haven't haven't looked back since. And um, that's grown into you know, just so many things that I never could have imagined, you know, um, being a race director for, for a run now that's up with on its sixth year this year. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an avalanche that, um, has just keeps growing. And I, uh, I'm just thrilled to kind of just grow with it. It's been, it's been a really fun, really fun adventure to grow with. So, so what, what got you into ultra running? I mean, how did you find the, the sport? Yeah. You might say. Yeah. So just, just kind of like, like everything else, it was my, my oldest brother, John, he, um, I was big into triathlons at the time, but, um, he got into the Leadville 100 back in 2014. Um, and I was doing triathlons and I was doing my, in the midst of doing my, um, uh, my first ultra at the time, my first 50 K at, uh, the Bighorn Trail Runs, that's the map behind me. Um, yeah, so I began to triathlons and kind of just kind of started tip, dipping my toe into ultra running. Um, and then I, I don't know, there was just a witnessing my brother at the Leadville 100 in 2014 and also 15. Um, he's always somebody that has just kind of been the embodiment of of strength and fortitude for me. and. I saw him, I saw him digging into the pain cave and really, really struggling and still, still having the fortitude to keep going forward. And, um, it's hard to explain. I just, I had a, I had something that was urging me, something that was beckoning me to, uh, 
dip my toe into into that. Like I said, I, I saw him really, really struggling and his fortitude that he had to to continue pushing forward. And um I, I wanted to get a piece of it. So um that's kind of I guess where it was really born for me was at the Leadville 100 in 2014 and 15, even though I had already kind of dipped my toe into it at Bighorn. Um, that was the, that was the event, um, that, that really sparked the, sparked the entrance, uh, the, the, the interest, uh, to, to, to do something more, I guess was, was Leadville 2014 and 15. Did you accrue and pace your brother at Leadville? Yeah, so I, I uh, paced, ended up pacing him from uh, Winfield, so from the turnaround. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the last 50 um, in 2014. And then 2015, I took him from Winfield, for, uh, from Winfield to uh, Twin Lakes, and then I picked him up again also coming back around Maclean. So, yeah, no, it was um, – like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to describe, but yeah, no, it was just, I, there, there was an itch that needed to be scratched. And, um, and that was, that was the event that, that really sparked it, um, was, was crewing and pacing for, for him at, at, at those two races. So when you were pacing, was that your first 50 miler? Uh, no, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me think, let me think back on that. I think I have done the Bighorn 50 miler. Yeah. Yeah. I had done the big horn okay. 50. So yeah, I had, I had done that, but, um, so, I mean, I was kind of tiptoeing towards, you know, it, towards that direction of, you know, like, yeah, maybe someday I'll try that. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was doing those, do, doing those events, helping him with that, that, that really, that really sparked it for me. So when did you run your first hundred? My first one, my first hundred was 2016 at Bighorn. So yeah, I helped him at 2014, 15 at Leadville. And then, uh, 2016, I started the, uh, proverbial avalanche of, um, hundred mile finishes at Bighorn for myself. <laughs> you got a so few you the, Bighorn. You got the bug after the pacing and the crewing at Leadville. I, I, I had the bug before that, but, um, like I said, it, it's very hard to describe the um, the feelings, the emotions that I had being able to help my brother get through that. Um, and knowing that he was going, you know, just knowing without, without even asking that that, that favor was going to be returned um, by him. Um, that's kind of just how our family operates, how my relationship with my brother has been. Like, um, we have big adventures. We have these big ideas. And then it's never like, Oh, geez, why it's like, how can we help? Um, and so that was, I don't know. Like I said, it's hard to describe the, the feelings, the emotions that I had helping him get through that. And then, um, really just made it, made it okay. And made it, made it the right time for, for me to, for me to try to tackle something like that. You know, people always often ask, like, how do you guys run these long distance races? And like you're saying, it's pretty hard to uh, explain to someone um, what goes on. And then when they cross the finish line, it's a uh, pretty magical stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, yeah. The, the event, the events for me, they're, they're, they're truly just a, they're a snapshot of, 
of all the work, all the time, all the sacrifice that that you, your family, your loved ones um, put in to, to, to getting to that start line, not, not let alone the finish line, but just to get to the start line of those events. I mean, it takes, it takes courage just to sign up for those events. Um, and then, you know, what, ha whatever happens on race day, that's, that's the, um, that's kind of the cherry on top of, of, of everything that, that, that went in to put in all, like I said, all the time, all the sacrifice that you put into, to getting yourself to that day is just, is the, um, yeah, that's the, that, 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 that's why I, that's why I enjoy it. Um, the races are great, but it's, it's really the journey getting to getting to the start line that I, that I really, that I really crave the most. I agree with you. That's where, you know, you grow, you go through all your training and whatever else you got going on in life. Then you show up at the start line and it's over with, it's already done. Then you're going, I can't believe it's over. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cause I mean, takes you a, a day or maybe a little bit longer and it's like, Holy cow. That's why I, why I look at it as, as a snapshot. Cause I mean, it's typically for me, it's, it's a five to six month uh, grind of, you know, put, putting all the puzzle pieces together, you know, the working your runs in on your schedule and, you know, like just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, that, that, that's what I, that's what I really enjoy about it. Um, all the race days are, are, are fun, but, um, but it's not, it's not, it's not my why. It's not why I do. <laughs> Seems like uh, Bighorn holds a special place in your heart. I mean, you got a trail map of it behind you and keep, yeah. keep mentioning it. That Yeah. It's, it's a special race. Sure. Um, I mean, and it's, and it's gotten a lot of attention obviously lately. Um, um, and it's, you know, they just, they, they do it right. Um, it's, it's, I've, I've done a number of races all over the country now. And, um, I've yet to have an experience like I've, like I've had a bighorn, not to say that I haven't had great experiences with the other ones, but, um, I mean, just from, you know, like the packet pickup to the volunteers that they have out on course. I mean, it's, it's just, it, it's just, uh, well, and the, the fact that it's, you know, a two and a half hour drive from, from home is, um, it's, it's, a, it's a hometown race and it, um, even, even with how big it's gotten over the last few years, they've still managed to keep, keep that same, that same feeling, um, of being kind of just a hometown race. And that's, and that, that's hard to do. Um, and, I, and it's something I really appreciate, um, also just being a race director myself, like, um, that's, that's a, that's a really cool, cool aspect of Bighorn. And it is, it's just a, Hundred, it's uh, hundred miles, and it's uh, wild and scenic. That's the, that's their tagline for it. It's the Bighorn Wild and Scenic Trail Run, and it's every bit of that. It's it's, it's special for sure. Yeah, we towed the line together this year. You were uh, you were a little ahead of me, but <laughs> we were out there oh, together. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. You ran into some issues this year um, up on Bighorn that maybe led to some more stuff. Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, um, I mean, every, every race is different. Um, it doesn't matter. I've, I've done, I've got 1100 mile finishes and where you feel I, I've done Bighorn five times and it's, it's great. And it's, I get a lot of questions from people like, gosh, why, why Bighorn every, every time. And I'm like, cause it's different. 
every, every year it's different. Um, where, where your highs are, where your lows are, you know, the peaks, the valleys, um, it's been different every, every, every five, all five years that I've done it. Those, those have been different, um, adaptations that I've had to make on, on, on that journey. And this year was very much that, that same way. I mean, I had a, um, it's, it's a brutal start for Bighorn. Um, you know, you've got a big climb right out of the start and, um, weather was, weather was, was good this year. Um, it was a little bit, a little bit warmer. Um, expecting to see a little bit more, uh, I was expecting to see a little bit more, um, more mud and snow, which we ended up getting later on in the race, um, towards the turnaround. But, um, but yeah, no, everything was kind of stacking up to, to be a good start and, um, kind of started having some urinary issues, um, just past uh, dry fork going out. So about 20 miles in, um, I kind of started to have this urge of needing to, needing to, needing to pee and uh, couldn't. I was like, well, that's not great. Um, I had a similar, I'd had a similar um, situation last year at Western States um, where I had that same thing and it was, ended up being a too much or too much salt was, was the issue at, at, uh, at Western. I was doing electrolyte tablets as well as, um, tailwind. Um, so I was like, well, I took out the electrolyte tablets at Western States and it fixed itself within a half an hour. Um, so this year at Bighorn, um, when I started kind of having that issues, I'm like, well, I'm not sure what's causing it now because I wasn't doing the electrolyte was doing tailwind. I wasn't doing the electrolyte tabs on top. So I was like, well, maybe it's not enough salt. So I, so I started, so I had the extra electrolyte tabs, took them. Um, and the issue never really went away. Um, it would be a issue of then it's needing to pee, couldn't, um, okay, stop taking the tailwind cramp. Um, like, okay, well, that's not great. Um, so yeah, it was just this weird, crazy roller coaster of needing to pee, can't stop drinking tailwind, cramp, um, okay, drink tailwind, need to pee, can't. Um, and that went on for, yeah, like I said, from about mile 20, um, up until, uh, what's what aid station was that spring marsh? Um, coming, coming up the little horn Canyon. So there was a, it was a good, probably six hour stretch in there where I was fighting that needing to pee, can't trying to figure out, trying to put different, trying, trying different things at aid stations, trying different salt remedies, less salt, more salt. And, um, nothing was really fixing it. And it was getting to a point where it was like, I couldn't run. Um, the only thing that was, the only thing that was working was just, just power hiking. Um, and at that point I knew I didn't have crew at, uh, I didn't have crew at, uh, footbridge. I knew my crew was at, was at the turnaround. I was like, well, I guess I'll just walk to the turnaround and, and take my first DNF at an ultra. I mean, that was truly where my headspace was because, um, not only was it not, 
the, the issue wasn't solving itself. Like I was starting to, to feel pain in my, in my kidneys and my low back. And, um, was like things, my, my old mantra of, you know, like things not getting worse, you know, just like kind of reaching that pain threshold and things not getting worse. So kind of just living in that, living in that headspace, living in that pain cave. That wasn't, that wasn't my reality. Things were actively getting worse. Um, so yeah, I was truly at that point resorted to, I was, I was going to drop, I was going to drop at, at the turnaround when I got to my crew, got to my family. Um, they sat me down at spring marsh, checked my vitals, um, all of that. Um, vitals were fine. I mean, like that some stuff was out of like blood pressure was a little high, but yeah, you're in the middle of a hundred mile race going, climbing up a pretty steep hill and, uh, <laughs> everything everything was everything was fine um like i said blood pressure was a little bit high pulse was fine oxygen was fine um so i was like all right i kind of just told them my plan they they're like well we're gonna have you sit here for about half an hour they gave me this uh half of a baked potato just absolutely slathered in salt um <laughs> but saltiest freaking thing i've ever put <laughs> ever. um ate that like very reluctantly. And I was just like, I was like, took everything in me to just swallow that down. <laughs> Gave me a little bit of ramen. Um, had me, had me drink some, some Coke, I guess, or I think actually it was Pepsi. Um, had me sit there for about half an hour. Um, and they were like, okay, you can go ahead. And I kind of just told them my plan. I was like, they, they had radioed it. They had radioed my, like my bib and what was going on up to uh, the next aid station, which was, which was elk camp. And um, so they kind of knew to be looking for me. And I kind of just told them my plan. I was like, yep, I'm just going to keep, just going to keep hiking. Um, and I'll more than likely pull out when I get to the turnaround. Um, so yep, that was the plan. And it was like a mile and a half past spring marsh. And um, I don't know if it was like divine intervention or what, but like, I just happened to find this horseshoe on the trail. And I like, I, like I, I tell this story and people are like, yeah, right. Yeah. You did. No, you didn't. I'm like, no, I'll show you. Where I, <laughs> I found the horseshoe and then I hung it on the, hung it on a tree. And like within minutes of finding that horseshoe, um, like I said, I don't know if it was divine intervention or something, but or what, but I had that same urge to, to pee again. And um, except this time it was like to the point where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna freaking pee my pants. <laughs> sure enough, I got my shorts down just in time and like it was like the floodgates opened. Um I was I had pee I peed for the first time in probably eight hours at that point. And um there was a crazy burning sensation, but I was just like, I was like, well, I imagine that's just because my bladder is bladder and kidneys are just like probably celebrating at this point that they're finally releasing some releasing some pressure. Um, yeah. And from that point on, like, like I said, I don't know if it was the horseshoe, the divine intervention combination of the disgustingly salted potato that I got and then the Coke and ramen. Um, but it was just kind of a avalanche of all the good things happening, I guess, where I kind of just got this sense that, you know, things were, things were, things were going to be okay. And, um, started running, started jogging, um, hit elk camp, 
was feeling great. They knew to be looking for me. And I was like, they're like, how you doing? We, we, we were told to look for it. And I'm like, guys, I am great. I finally peed. Um, everything is, everything is great. They could see that I was, that I was fine. Um, and kind of, yeah, just as the race went on, I would stop to pee and I would actually be able to pee. The burning sensation kind of would go away. Um, and then towards the end of the race, I wasn't feeling it at all, like burning, burning sensation at all. So, um, I picked up my pacer at, um, at the turnaround and they were expecting that I was going to drop. And I was like, no, I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm fine. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be lying to you here. Like I was, I was ready to drop 10 miles ago, but I, I, I truly feel fine. Like I'm, I, I feel like like everything's the way it's supposed to be now and um so yeah i think probably just a combination of you know a lot of force walking because running hurt early on in the race because of whatever that issue was um it, it it made my legs feel pretty pretty darn good for that for that last uh 60 miles of the race and um yeah i ended up negative splitting the the race which is something that i've kind of always thought was possible at a race like bighorn um but yeah i ended up negative splitting it by about two hours um coming back so yeah it ended up being a kind of kind of a, a strut a, a, a kind of a struggle struggle bus for the first 40 miles and the last 60 were were pretty pretty epic pretty without without incident and um pretty pretty cool to experience that so how do you how was your recovery after bighorn uh you know pretty typical honestly um just because of how the issue had kind of fixed itself in that race and um didn't really have any issues with recovery after like i didn't i honestly didn't think anything of it um didn't think anything of it i didn't have a big race schedule for me this summer um kind of intentionally because last summer kind of took it out of me quite quite honestly with the grand slam um and honestly th this summer i i was blessed with the the privilege to be able to return a lot of uh favors from from last summer um that had come out to pace me at at Wasatch, Red Bill, um, Western. Um, so yeah, I was able to return a lot of favors um, from from last summer, and so I didn't have races for myself, but I I had the opportunity to return those favors this summer. And um, so yeah, that combination of combination of that, and uh, so my race schedule not really being not really having anything on mine, and then. Um, being able to return those favors and the issues going away, um, that what I thought was urinary issues going away and that like, I was like, okay, I, I don't need to, I don't need to go further into any of this. I don't need to, like, I, I was, I was fine at the time and was just ready to have a busy summer of pacing and crewing. So, um, so that's what I did and kind of went without incident throughout the summer until uh kind of till i went and signed up for lean horse the lean horse 100 in south dakota and had the the same same stuff kind of happen at the at bighorn that happened um you know needing to pee couldn't um 
and lean horse is a race it's not technical it's all on the mickelson trail so it's a rail the trail it's an old railroad track and um kind of got myself into a false sense of security just with the the ease of the terrain um pushed myself more than i probably should have with those issues and um experienced my my first dnf at an ultra because um because those issues didn't go away um they weren't going to go away and that was something that i had promised myself that that uh, if if those issues arose again i would i would stop um because it's you know you know kind of the old you know like fool me once same on me she fooled me twice you know like i was like i wasn't going to be fooled twice by that so <laughs> Uh, had the first DNF at an ultra, and it's it wasn't as bad as as I thought it would be because, like I said, it, it, it honestly wasn't a hard decision in the time because things were getting worse, and um, the nighttime cool cool temperatures um, weren't 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 fixing anything, and um, the old things that I had tried in the past to adapt um, weren't working. Nothing was working, so I uh, kept the promise with myself, and I. I pulled myself out at uh, about 65 miles for that one. So, um, yeah. You got 100K. wasn't DNFs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is one, that is one perspective for sure. Yeah, and um, that, that, and that's, there's, always, there's always a good perspective to have um, anytime you toe the line and do any of these events. Like, there's always, always perspective to be had. And that was definitely one of them for me. Like, well, yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, I didn't cross the finish line, but I still did covered 100K in less than ideal um, conditions for, for myself. So, What were your initial thoughts after your DNF? I mean, how were you feeling? Um... Yeah, so, I mean, it was, it was a lot different, lot different than, uh, than Bighorn, honestly. Um, not just because I didn't finish, but... Um, the uh the urinary system was definitely out of whack um for a while um well not not for a while it was it was a couple of days of still kind of needing to pee couldn't um like could but like not you know not not the way that it not the way that it should be and um you know it was just i, I also had a pretty bad bloody nose within hours after after finishing or after pulling out, um, it was just, it, it, it wasn't your regular bloody nose. Like it was, it bled for a while. And, um, and that was like, obviously at that point I knew like I needed to, I needed to go get checked on, needed to, needed to figure out, try to figure out what was going on. Um, both my sisters as well, they're in the medical field. Sisters of physical therapists. My uh, sister Jen is a physical therapist, and Janelle is a uh, is a nurse. And they're like, "Yeah, you're you're getting. We're we're going to do some urine tests. We're going to do some blood tests. We're going to figure out what's going on. Try to figure out what's going on." And um, I was like, "Yeah, there, there was no no argument for me. I'm usually the last person to want to go in and see a doctor, get prescription meds or anything. I like the immune system to kind of." figure things out, but um, I knew that things were, things weren't right. You just, you just kind of get that sense, you know, when you spend so much time with, with yourself, um, training for these ultras, doing these old, these endurance events, like you spend a lot of time with yourself and you know, 
you know how things are supposed to work and you get a sense of, I just had a sense that, you know, things, things weren't right. Things, things weren't, things weren't working the way they were supposed to. And, um, so yeah, I got those initial blood tests, urine tests, um, urine tests were fine. There wasn't anything crazy. Same with the blood tests initially, um, liver enzymes and, uh, like kidney enzymes, that kind of stuff. And electrolytes were way out of whack. Um, but not super concerning, um, within 36 hours of finishing a, a, a hard effort like that, you know, not, not out of, not out of the norm for those things to be, to be out of the whack. But, um, that's where the, uh, the kind of silent killer, the silent, I guess the phantom health issue, um, was kind of brought into light with, uh, which was uh, low platelets. So my uh, blood platelets were extremely low. Um, well, not extremely low. I don't want to say extreme because there are people who like extremely low is completely different. So they were extremely low for me. Um, so low normal range for platelets is 150,000 um, platelets per microliter of blood. And um, from my first blood test, um, they were at 55. Um, so three times less than what they usually, than what they, than low normal. And, um, I was like, well, that's not great. But then I was like, well, I just had that crazy bloody nose, you know, lasted longer than anybody knows I'd ever had, um, you know, 24 hours ago. So, um, like that's, that, that had to have played a part in that. It's like, okay, like went back in a few days later, did the same tests again, the liver enzymes, um, the electrolytes, those had all already stabilized. So I was like, okay, great. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, the platelets were at 51. So they, so they had dropped again, um, in just, in just a few days. And, um, then the wheels kind of started turning like, holy cow, what's, what's causing this? I feel fine. Like, I mean, still a little bit of residual fatigue from the race, but, um, like, I feel like, I, I feel fine. Like I'm, was doing walks and stuff with my dog and um like I felt fine didn't have any presenting symptoms of uh low platelets or a low platelet disorder and um yeah that has been the still to this day um the kind of phantom health issue um has been that the platelet the platelet counts have been um Kind of up, kind of down, kind of stabilizing, um, never stabilizing in a in a healthy range. Um, I did finally get in to see a hematologist here in Casper, and um, they put me on a treatment of uh, dexamethasone, um, four weeks of dexamethasone treatments, which I don't know if people that are listening or will listen have... Um, I've ever experienced dexamethasone. It was oral dexamethasone. I was doing it um, 40 milligrams every Monday for uh, four weeks. Um, and dexamethasone is it's used in cancer cancer patients. It's used um, in people that have a condition called ITP, immune thrombocytopenia, um, and uh, it's used for to increase platelets. It, it increases platelets usually very quickly. Um, in patients and um, 
that was initially the reaction that my body had. Um, my platelets have dropped all the way to 22. Um, so 22, um, 22,000 units per microliter of blood. Um, again, low normal, it should be 150,000. So they mine have dropped all the way to 22. Um, and in the first week of treatment uh, with the dexamethasone, they had gone up from 22 to 70. So that was a very encouraging jump. Um, uh, weeks two to three, we kind of stabilized between that 60, 70 range, which, which the hematologist was like, yeah, that's not great, but it's, it's good. Like you can, you can kind of, you can kind of get back into doing some more activities and that kind of stuff. And, um, then between the third and fourth week, um, they, they dropped again with the treatment from, um, at 63 back down to 36. Um, and that's kind of where they've stabilized recently has been kind of in that 30 ring, um, between 36 to 43 back to 30. And that's kind of where, um, I'm currently at right now is kind of in that 30 range. So my body is still producing platelets. It's not, it's, there's just something, we still don't know what, um, what is attacking and um, destroying those platelets so vigorously. Um, my body is still producing them. All my other counts are fine. Um, red counts are fine, white counts are fine. My immunoglobulin, immunoglobulin um, counts are fine. It's literally just my platelets. Um, so it's your platelets are what controls how you bleed. So when you have low platelets, you're a bleeding risk. Um, or like even a bloody nose or you know, a twisted ankle or something where you could potentially bleed internally um, and not have and not be in close proximity to medical um, support. Um, it's risky. So um, yeah, that's been. That's been my phantom health issue um, that I've been dealing with for the last couple months, and we're still still trying to figure out what's causing it. So that's been been a uh, interesting um, interesting dilemma <laughs> for sure. With not being able to you know train and go on adventure and stuff, how, how have you how have you been dealing with that mentally? Um, you know, mentally that, that, that was the hardest thing initially. Cause, um, when I had first gotten into the hematologist here in Casper, they were like saying, don't do anything. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, that's very, like, I, I get it. I can appreciate like the reasoning. Um, it was, it was extremely hard for, um, for that first four weeks to not, I mean, I'm a very active person. I always have been. Um, that was a struggle for sure um, to not really do anything beyond like a walk with my dog um, around the block. Um, and honestly, like from the mental side of things, just like just looking at the numbers every Monday and Thursday, because that's what that's what I that's what I've been doing is going in every Monday and Thursday to draw blood to check the platelets. It's just like it was the weirdest thing has been like I I have felt fine like I haven't had any of the other presenting symptoms um, like truly if I wasn't looking at my platelet count platelet numbers every Monday and Thursday I really wouldn't know that anything was wrong um, the 
the the worst part has been the 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 steroids that they, that I that I was on the dexamethasone. Um, very high dose, and it's it's just a it makes you very wired, but at the same time very fatigued and restless. So I've had a lot of very restless nights because of not knowing what's causing the platelets, and then also and then also you put the the steroids on top of it. Um, of not being able to sleep um, and being wired. So it's been a weird combination of being wired, wanting to do things, feeling like you can, but not being able to. Um, finally was able to get a second opinion from another hematologist um, who deals a little bit more with, with athletes, um, was an ath is an athlete himself, um, and who's dealt with these kind of autoimmune conditions um with with platelet issues blood issues and um he he lended a lot more um support towards um not being as concerned as my initial doctor was with um with my platelet levels i mean he said obviously like don't throw caution to the wind but like yes you should be you should be able you should be running still like not not like nothing extreme, nothing like super technical or anything, but he's like, you're an active person. I'm an active person. You understand the chemicals that are released within your brain with throughout your body. Um, when you, when you get exercise, um, he's like the benefits of that far outweigh the risk of, um, of, uh, uh, the bleeding risk right now. The activities are not going to cause you to bleed. It's the risk of you know, falling or twisting or something like that. He's like, the benefits of doing your exercise far outweigh the risks as long as you just be careful. And um, so that was, I can't, I can't even begin to say like the relief that that gave me Cause you know, like my first doctor was saying, don't do anything. And this guy was, who has experience working with, working with patients, has experience himself being an athlete. Um, it gave me a, it took a lot of stress off my mind um, to, to know that like, yes, platelets aren't great still, but um, continue, go back to doing, doing things that you know, like, make you feel better. Um, you know, that's a, that's always been the release, you know, activities have always been the release for me. The runner's high thing has always been a thing for me. That's, um, you guys get it. I'm sure like it's, it's just something that, again, you can't describe to people who, who haven't, who haven't done those things. Um, it just makes you feel good. Um, and it's something that, it's been within my control to, to do those things, to continue to kind of get back into doing those things again, nothing crazy, but, um, like I think the longest run I've done in the last two months has been seven miles, but, um, it was a glorious seven miles. Um, <laughs> That's gotta be tough going from, you know, what you were able to accomplish last year and then even leading into this year and then, you know, having to scale that back tremendously, but obviously it's, you know, it's for the best to, you know, have your health and, you know, where it needs to be at yeah. least until you can figure things out. But absolutely, I mean, health has always been, I mean, uh, um, 
that's always been like a, a priority for me. And um, that's one of the biggest things we're, we're, we don't know, we're trying to figure out is like how long this has been going on. Um, and maybe it's just something that my body has obviously just kind of figured out how to adapt to it. Um, Cause I mean, truly I haven't had any, truly haven't had any, in, any symptoms beyond, um, beyond like, so it's weird because like some of the symptoms I've been feeling are like, well, is that because of the low platelets or is that a side effect of the treatment of the, the dexamethasone Because the, the, the side effects and the symptoms, um, very similar. <laughs> so, um, it's like, is this the dexamethasone or is this the low platelets? Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I've noticed has been the fatigue, um, from lack of sleep. Um, so beyond that, like when I'm out on, when I'm out on runs, like it's, it's the same, like it's the same good feels, um, that I've had my whole life. You know, it's just kind of always in the back of the head is like, gosh, what is causing this? Um, and, um, if it is something that's an autoimmune condition that I'm going to, that, that that's chronic that I'm going to have to deal with for a while, deal with for the rest of my life, or if it's, or if we can figure out what, um, what's causing it and kind of reset the body in kind of more natural ways. Um, so yeah, the next, the next line of treatment that they want to, that they want to try here in Casper is not something I'm, I'm willing to pursue at this, at this stage. Um, I have reached out and gotten some referrals to some uh, homeopaths down in Colorado, down in, uh, down in, down in Boulder um, that I'm going to see. Um, on that that deal specifically with autoimmune conditions like what they they kind of have prematurely diagnosed um this condition that i'm going through now as um itp so immune thrombocytopedia it's just a um low platelet autoimmune disorder that typically when it's triggered in adults it's chronic deal with for the rest of your life um but you can live with it um you just figure out ways you figure out basically your number, um, your range of platelets. Basically you'll never get back to a normal range, but you figure out what your, what your normal range is. And, um, you figure out, um, ways to, to establish that range and to treat that range, um, kind of in more natural, natural ways. So that's the hope with the um, homeopath. They also have uh, probably going to do a bone marrow biopsy in the next couple of weeks because um, your your bone marrow is what creates your body's platelets. Um, my body is still creating platelets. It's not quick enough for whatever's destroying them. Um, so a bone marrow biopsy would be a way to remove some pretty big elephants in the room, like as far as like if it's, something like leukemia or a blood or a blood cancer. Um, if I did a bone marrow biopsy, things like that would be removed or potentially like, okay, that is what it is. Now we know what we need to, now we know what, what we need to do. So, um, so I'm, I'm honestly excited for that to, um, just kind of start removing some variables of what could be causing it. Um, so that we can kind of move forward. I'm a move forward kind of person and uh, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't like treading water. Um, 
And that's very much what the last couple of months has, has, has felt like. I've been very grateful, very gracious um, for the stuff I'm still able to do. Um, and just the fact that I know that there's a lot of people out there that are dealing with a lot worse than me. Um, I mean, every time I walk through the the doors at the clinic that I go to, it's a it's a, it's a cancer treatment facility. Um, so, I mean, every every time I walk through the doors for it, I I'm always gracious of um, the fact that it's it's not any worse than what than what it is. Um, and that I am still able to do the things that I'm able to do. Um, and the support system that I have um, is never lost on me, but especially in times like this. Um, so yeah, it's been a good learning experience too for perspective in, um, in different ways. I've always, had, I've always had a good perspective, but dealing with something like this, it's, it's given me um, a new perspective that, 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 I, that I know that I'm gonna appreciate. Um, and moving forward will, in the long run, um, make me better for it, make me stronger for it. Yeah, I always have this uh, this mantra that I instill in myself, but I try to still instill it on other people as well. And it's it you know you you have a training plan with you know with all of your races that you're scheduled for, and and people will be you know they'll say I have to go run twenty miles tomorrow or whatever the run may be. Well, I try to instill in them. It's not, you have to go run, but you get to go run. And so, um, I, and I, I say that in my mindset all the time, it's, you know, I get to go do this because there are people out there, just as you described that don't have that opportunity or never will have that opportunity. So it's not necessarily that you're running for them or you're running for, you know, whatever, but looking at, looking at it at a different perspective, as I get to go do this, because one day you won't be able to do that anymore. So you know, having those pleasures in life right now, saying that you get to go do it, um, whether you're looking forward to a 20 mile training run or not, you know, you still get <laughs> to go do it. So that, that's, that's kind of one thing that I've instilled in myself. And I, I try to, I try to preach that a little bit, maybe too much to other people, but um, just changing people's mindset a little bit sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, it, it is a, it is a mindset. Um, and it can be a challenging mindset for, for people for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, it is a mindset. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't agree more with, with, what, with what you just said. I mean, I get to go do this. Yeah. You, you might have some ugly, you might have some ugly training, but you still get to go out and do them. Um, yeah. Something that has, that's something that's never been lost on me. And, um, obviously this situation, um, is, is, is going to help that even more moving forward. Um, you, you, you get to go do, like, it's never lost on the, the, the things that I've, that I've been blessed to do, fortunate enough to do uh, with my body in some pretty, uh, in some pretty spectacular places and the people that I met. And uh, yeah, just all the different doors that, that it's opened for me and just this, just the simple act of, of running and how many doors it's, it's open, it's really, really crazy, really fulfilling for sure. How's the sport, the support from the ultra community been? Goodness, man. It's just, it's so hard to like equate how, how pivotal and how like 
big that that the, that whole community has become. Like it's it, it's become a part of who I am truly. Um, coming from triathlons, I mean, I was pretty big into triathlons before before doing um, ultras or trail running, and um, just the community is just so different. It's um, yeah, I mean that that's that's one of the that's one of my biggest takeaways from the trail running community has just been the people that I've been blessed to meet, um, doing some pretty some pretty awesome things. Um, I mean, anytime you get like-minded individuals um, doing doing hard things, doing something that they're passionate about, um, anytime you get those those people around each other, there's there's an energy that is um, that is created just just simply by those people being around each other. And um, yeah, that the, the, the trail running community has been just such a big part of, it's become such a big part of me and how I, who I am, how I am. Um, I mean, I've met friends through running um, that I know all that I know I'll have with me for the rest of my life, just because of the things that we've, that we've done together. Um, and um will continue to do together i mean it's just the trail running community is i can't say enough about it it's that doesn't matter really honestly i've done races all over the country and um the people are the same everywhere in the trail running community um they're just people that will literally give you the batteries out of their headlamp because their race is over and your race isn't um, um I had that experience at Old Dominion last year. That's why I bring up that that that, that example. Like my, I had I had spare batteries, but for some reason they like I don't know if it was just like a bad batch or something. But like, and it was middle of the night, and I was like, crap. I and it was like the most technical part of the course. And I'm like, I'm gonna have to be done because I can't see anything right now. Um, and yeah, I came upon a guy there on the side of the trail. Um, and his, he had decided that his race was done. He said he was just going to walk to the next aid station. Um, and he, I kind of told him what was going on. And he's like, here, take this. I mean, literally gave me the batteries out of his headlamp. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the, that, is, that is the kind of people that, you, that I constantly meet at trail runs, at, um, at events, being a race director. Um, that's kind of just a way for me to give back to the community that's given that's given me so much um so yeah that's been a very fulfilling aspect again that i never would have imagined that that would be something that i would enjoy so much um but i i, I truly do i love i love giving back to that community whenever i can however i can talking about a uh, old dominion that's part of the grand slam yes sir um you completed that last year. Yeah. How how did you get into the Grand Slam? Western States, obviously, but what made you decide to do it? Yeah, so that was kind of something that um, you know, going into, you know, getting into trail running and um, you know, kind of just the the snowball effect of uh of how of my the snowball effect of how I grew into it. I I guess I um kind of started doing races like Bighorn. Then I started hearing about races like Wasatch down in Utah and um, then kind of just stumbled upon 
this grand slam thing because I paced a buddy, um, Phil Atkinson at Wasatch um, in 2017. So the last leg of his grand slam, um, he um, asked me if I'd come out there and help him with that. In 2017, I'd obviously already done a number of hundreds at that point, but um, at that point I was like, yeah, Grand Slam, cool, what's that? Um, and uh, that's kind of where the seed was Seed was planted. I'd been putting in for races like, like Western. I started putting in for Western um, after my first Bighorn in 2016. And, um, you know, I kind of at that point after helping Phil get across the finish line at Wasatch for his Grand Slam, I uh, kind of just made a promise to myself. Um, that uh the year I got into Western, I would I would attempt the Grand Slam. And um yeah, so that ended up happening December of 2020 when I got into um when I got into got in through the lottery for Western and then we obviously know what happened um 2020. Um so how many, how many well, tickets? How many tickets? Uh let's see, that was my fifth year of putting in. So I, I forget the formula for I forget the <laughs> A lot. Yeah, that was my fifth year of putting in for Western States. And um, like, well, at that point, when 2020, all the races got canceled, I'm like, well, what's the difference? I've been waiting for this long to get into it anyways. So what's another year? Um, so yeah, it was supposed to happen 2020, but um, the universe wanted it to happen in 2021. And that's, uh, that's when it happened. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny yep yep so with getting into western um i know a lot of the other races except for Ludville. i don't know if it's changed um you're pretty much once you signed up for the grand slam you were in um how did leadville how does leadville treat that now um yeah so leadville is currently the only um the only race in the grand slam series um that does not guarantee an entry um, with Western, you know, like getting into Western. They 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 still want they still want people to go in through the lottery. Um, Old Dominion, Western, um, and then also Vermont. The Vermont 100 is the is the other one that's in the series. Um, those it, it, any of those, if you get into Western, they will give you a provisional entry into their race as long as you've obviously completed you know, the races leading up to their event. Um, Leadville, um, they still want people to go through the lottery, um, which that's, that's up to them. That's fine. It's just, a, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough, also a tough lottery to get in through. Obviously not near as tough as, um, as Western, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, that was kind of just the, the stars aligned, um, right. For me to, to get into to Leadville as well as, um, Western in the same year. I actually didn't get in through the lottery for 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 Leadville, but I uh, I got in through a charity a charity slot. I ran for the um, Leadville Legacy Foundation um, with a charity slot for Leadville. So um, so that's um, again that's how I that's how I uh, that's how I knew that it was kind of the the right thing, the right time. Um, wasn't anything that was forced. Um, didn't it, didn't get in through the lottery, but then applied for the 
um, the charity slot and was able to, to get in graciously through that. And, um, was cool to run for a run for a great cause, um, at Leadville. So that ended up being kind of just, a kind of cherry on top of a cherry that ended up being a pretty fun summer. <laughs> so for the people that don't know how the grand slam works, why don't you run us through it? Um, the races and how they, they, uh, pop up one after another and where they're located and all that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, for me, the, the grand slam started at, uh, old dominion. So it's, um, well, I guess kind of synopsis of the, of the grand slam, it's four of the oldest or longest running hundred mile races in the U S um, in one summer, um, between like a 13 to 15 week in a 13 to 15 week window. Um, so putting those four races together in one summer, um, and Wasatch, that's like one of the only stipulations is Wasatch has to be the last because they're the kind of organizing committee that puts everything together. The, the bronze Eagle, um, trophy that you get They're they're, they're the committee that puts all that kind of stuff together. Um, so that's really the only, the only thing you have to get into the races, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, I had promised myself that when I got into Western, I would, I'd put in for the other ones. Um, and, um, so yeah, my, my first one ended up being old dominion. It's, uh, in Woodstock, Virginia, I believe the date was June 5th of 2020, Um, and, uh, yeah, Woodstock, Virginia, that was my first, first race on the East coast. Um, very different. Um, different mountains, definitely still mountains though. Um, <laughs> kind of the, the thing, their kind of mantra out there is, I mean, out here, we kind of say West coast, best coast. They kind of out there on the East coast, they say East coast, beast coast, um, was the, is, is their big kind of tagline out there. And, uh, well, they have, they have mountains. Uh, they don't believe in switchbacks <laughs> kind of, <laughs> Interesting, or at least not in the Massanutten range where I, where we ran um, for for Old Dominion. I mean, like there would be a mountain that you'd have to go up, and in the middle of the night, you just kind of look straight up, and you just see a straight line of glow sticks. Eyes <laughs> you can see, and it's just like, holy cow, where are the switchbacks? So it was a different perspective for sure. Um, to be like, wow, yeah, I guess that's where I'm climbing. Is I mean, literally, you'd just be like. Kind of moving along and like looking pretty much straight up and like wow okay there i go um so that was a fun experience um so yeah that was old dominion june 5th and then um quick turnaround 21 later 21 days later um on the other side of the country at uh western states um june 26th so yeah 21 days uh, or I guess 20 days after finishing Old Dominion and went to Western States. Um, that's kind of considered to be the mecca of trail running um, around the world, definitely uh, in, in the U.S. That's kind of where 100-mile races started was at Western States. Um, they've done a fantastic job at that race of being able to, you know, kind of have all the hoopla and everything surrounding Western states, but still like treating everybody right. 
um, still has a very hometown feel. Um, starting there in, in Squaw Valley, or I guess, I guess Olympic Valley now. Um, so yeah, all the hoopla, everything that surrounds a race like Western, like still manage to treat everybody like freaking rock star, like the rock stars that we are. And it's, um, so that was really cool, really cool to be a part of, really cool to see. Um, I have continued putting in for the lottery after that because um, I I would like to do that race sometime without having run a hundred mile race. <laughs> um, so you actually go out and give it a shot, huh? Go out and get go out and give it a give it a give it a give it a shot. And honestly, it's beautiful. Um, one of the one of the prettiest sights I've ever seen in a hundred mile race. Get right out of the start. You climb up the escarpment at uh, Olympic Valley and the sun's rising and you look back and see Lake Tahoe. I mean, what, there's not like, I can't think of a many better, many better places than that to be. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a great race. They do a great job with it, but yeah, I would be anxious to get back there someday. I, I don't want, I don't want to get in too early because like, I know that there's a lot of people that like every year and it kind of just keeps every year popularity's soaring like luck of the draw. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I would like to go back there someday, even if it's, even if it's when I'm 50 and i um, not caring about how fast I can do it. Yeah. I got my fingers crossed on my 0.03% chance of my one ticket. <laughs> I mean, it happens. It, it does happen. When they had a guy, um, yeah, this, this summer actually, um, you're putting in for hard rock first year putting in for western he got into both oh and he did and That'd he be did ter- i'd be terrified <laughs> right oh, absolutely. absolutely i would be too but um but i mean it happens i mean that, that that that's what makes those lotteries great i mean those are the those are the lotteries that i that i that i want to win not the like mega i wouldn't wouldn't know what to do with that kind of money but i do know what to do with with uh with 100 mile race lotteries so (laughs) that's awesome yep so so yeah that was the second race um western states um had a good had a good break in between western states and leadville the third leg for me ended up being about um, a little under seven weeks um so yeah June 26th, or I guess June 27th when I finished that. And then um, Leadville was August 20th. Um, so yeah, had, had, a, had a good uh, respite there. Got some, got some decent, decent recovery. Kind of didn't, I kind of broke the summer up into two kind of modalities, I guess, if, if you will. Because um, Old Dominion, it wasn't a super technical, not a super climby course. Um, so didn't use trekking poles. Um, you can't use trekking poles at, uh, Western States. So that was another reason why I didn't use them at Old Dominion. I could have, but kind of just broke the summer up into non-trekking poles and then busted the trekking poles out, kind of did some more power hiking with the weighted vests, um, did more power hiking stuff in between, um, Western and Leadville kind of building up for, um, you know, the altitude and elevation at, um, at Leadville. And then the last leg being Wasat, um, being the hardest of the four. Um, 
so yeah, had that kind of seven weeks to kind of recover mental, mentally, physically, um, still definitely had some residual fatigue, um, just built up, um, from those having those first two. So, so close. Um, but no, no injuries or anything. Um, didn't have really any, any niggles or anything with, as far as injuries. Um, so that was a big blessing for sure. Um, in between to have that. Um, and yeah, I just kind of had the mental reset and then, um, yeah, Leadville, August 20, 20th. And then, um, last one was September 10th. So 19 days, um, between Leadville and Wasatch. Where does Vermont come into that one? Uh, Vermont, if, if it would have ended up being, Vermont, uh, I want to say it's the third weekend in July, um, is where, is where Vermont fits in. So how does, how does Vermont work in? Is that if you don't get into another one, Vermont's kind of a also could get into type thing or? Yeah. So, so, um, so Vermont is another one. Yeah. It's a provisional entry um, into that one. If you're attempting the grand slam and you have completed your races up to Vermont, they'll give you a provisional entry um, into Vermont. Um, so there are people that you can, you can do the grand slam without Western. You could do Old Dominion, you could do Vermont, you could do Leadville, and you could do Wasatch. Um, so that's that's the other way you can do the the Grand Slam. So you just have to do four of the five. Um, so yeah, there are people who that's that's what they do. They there are people that have completed the Grand Slam without completing Western. Um, um, that's just not 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 the way I did it. Um, but yeah, that's. That's that's a way to do it. So yeah, Vermont fits in. Like I said, the third weekend in July um, is where is where that one fits in. And I would assume you could do all five if you wanted to as well. I guess right. You can, and I think that is something that they call the last race, the last great race. Um, so it's Grand Slam plus one. <laughs> Whether that's Old Dominion or Vermont or Leadville or whatever. Um, yeah, so that's the last great race. <laughs> is, 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 I don't think there's a series for that one, but there are people out there who do it. <laughs> wow. After you finished Wasatch, how long did uh, you recover for? How long before you went back out and ran? Oh, yeah. So, um, so September for me is usually, um, that's, th that's usually my hunting season. So, um, uh, yeah, that... September 2021 I wasn't I, I I wasn't into my archery um I was I was very much in recovery mode um I didn't really have the legs or really the really anything to want to be out um well I wanted to be out but then like the 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 reality of like okay if I get an elk down like how the heck am I gonna get it get <laughs> crashed at this point but um yeah, so typically September, October, that's my hunting season. Um, and um, yeah, so that's kind of how it what how it ended up being. I took some time off, didn't do much of anything beyond like hikes, walk with the dog, a couple bike rides, just kind of leisurely, you know, still being active, but not really having a not really having anything like on the on the back burner just just being able to back to doing things that you love to do because you love doing them um without the kind of pressure and the intensity of 
of, uh, of needing to do it because of because of X. Um, so yeah, recovery was pretty typical for me. I mean, it was probably three weeks before I was like really feeling like, yeah, let's go for let's go for a run. Um, and then yeah, I came out of the Grand Slam without any without any injuries, and that was a that was a huge blessing. And um, so yeah, I mean that was why I was able to kind of just continue doing the things that I love to do. Um, and yeah, and then this summer it was, and I, I knew I wanted to do Bighorn again since I had missed it the previous summer, and um, then just repaying favors for friends and family that had uh, come to pace and for, for the Grand Slam summer. I wouldn't have any friends left. <laughs> I would just be like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I had to, a bunch of my friends come out for big hordes this year and it was only, you know, a four hour drive, but yeah. I, and everybody came out. It was not a big deal, but like, Hey, uh, I'm going to need you to go out to the East coast, to the West coast. I need you to give up your summer. <laughs> Finish up in Utah. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a lot of sacrifices that get made not just by the runner that, and yeah. that's never that's never lost on me for sure and you documented the whole thing right um i didn't um i had i had a, a good, good good friend of mine jeremy miller um ended up chasing me around and that's just another one of those relationships that uh, was organically created through um through through running um he came to the Nightcrawler. Um, let's see, that would have been 2020. I was like one of the only races in 2020 that still held my race. Um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, like it was like the event is this is small. Um, and we weren't, we weren't concerned. We, we had some, some safety procedures and stuff that we, that we had to follow based on our, our guidelines from our health department stuff. Did. And um, yeah, Jeremy came out and did the, did the Nightcrawler in 2020. He ran around with a um, with a GoPro for himself. Kind of documented his his longest run for himself at the time. Ended up getting uh, around 42, 43 miles, I think. Um, I think the longest run he had done previous to that was I think maybe 13. I think he'd done a half marathon. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think yeah, I watched he, his when I was preparing for Nightcrawler. I watched his his video. Yeah, he came out and got loopy, and um, that's kind of where the the bug was. He he had always had a, um, a creative, like the creative process. That's always been that's always been a big thing for him, um, and kind of telling stories um, through uh, video video documentaries. Um, so he kind of reached out to me uh, later um, that spring. Um, Let's see that. Yeah, I guess that would have been spring 2021. Yeah, yeah, spring 2021. He reached out to me and was like, "Hey, uh, what, what, what's your plans for the summer? Like, I, I, I'm kind of thinking about thinking I'd like to follow you if you if you wouldn't mind, um, in a hundred at a hundred mile race." Um, I, I was like okay, maybe. And I kind of told them what, what, told them what my plan was. Um, but it wouldn't, I wasn't just planning to do one. And I told him about the grand slam and he's like, Holy cow, that sounds so cool. Um, he kind of did some, did some, some dig in some, 
some research himself and found out like there's not really anybody that's documented this and they should because this is pretty cool i'm like yeah i think it's pretty cool and i'm like but i'll be like <laughs> oh yeah like i'm not the kind of person that like I, I don't do these things for for the spotlight i don't do it like like i i'm not a spotlight guy i don't it's like so like i don't know what you're gonna want from me out of this is like He's like, I'm literally just gonna be along for the ride. Um, like, I was like, perfect. Like, that's 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 what I that's what I'd want. I like, I want you to document everything. I want you to document like riding around in cars with my crew. Like, I want you to document the crew side of things too, because like like we just were talking about briefly. Uh, it's not just a ultra marathon for you. It is an ultra marathon for your crew. It is a, it is a very big process, very big puzzle with lots of moving pieces, um, not just for the runner. And, uh, yeah, so Jeremy, he, uh, he tagged along. He followed us around to all four of those races. Um, he actually ended it at the time. Um, he was actually in, he was actually in South Carolina. So he, um, so he, the first, the first drive to uh, Old Dominion in Woodstock was, was like a four hour drive for him to get there. So that was like a no brainer, easy one for him to get to. Um, so yeah, he drove to that one and then, yeah, we ended up flying out to the, to the rest. He ended up coming to, coming to Western, coming to, uh, Leadville and then coming to the last one at, uh, at Wasatch, um, documented it ended up getting like 25 hours of footage wow. that, he, that he condensed into um what we what we see uh, online like 53 minutes I think. um yeah he he's a pro in every sense of the word uh, you can see the passion that he has um he's kind of just a, a force of nature that um was very organically um introduced into my life and um that's been a very fun um friendship that has that has blossomed very organically through running what's the name of the documentary oh sorry it's uh chasing 400 and um we've just got it on youtube and it has uh far surpassed any any anything that we could have ever imagined um it was literally just a passion project um me doing something that I'm passionate about running Jeremy passionate about running as well, but his passion for just telling stories through um, video documentaries. And, um, he's gotten very, very good at what he does. And you can, and, and you can see that, um, just in the passion that he, that he puts into it. Um, he, he's very, very professional at what he does and, um, very mature beyond his, beyond his years. Um, and yeah, so yeah, chasing four hundred. It's on YouTube. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy to see um, the traction that it's that it's gotten. Um, just putting it on YouTube. We had a we had we had a little premiere here just locally in March. Um, a local um, kind of smaller theater that we uh sold out uh we had three different screenings on one on one on one weekend and uh they sold out all three of them we were like well maybe this is something and then it 
released on YouTube and it was like, it was, it's been wildfire. Pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy. Um, I mean, and just something I never could have imagined. Like, I mean, obviously like I, I like my story and, um, I love, I love the, like how, how well Jeremy was able to show like the interaction with, um, my family, my crew, like my, my rock, like I couldn't have done any of it, any of it without them. And just the way that he was able to capture that was, 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 and still continues to be like the coolest part of that. Project for me. Well, that's a cool thing to document. Now you got it forever. Absolutely. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's, um, it's cool. I, uh, I, I'm not, I'll be the first to admit that I could never, I, I can't even imagine how he did that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it's very He's probably cool. thinking yeah. the same thing on the other side of the other fence. <laughs> like I can't even imagine how he did that. <laughs> I mean, like it was crazy. I mean, at different times, like one of the races that I always bring up is because he, he, I mean, he got media passes and did all the, do, did all the stuff that you're supposed to do. Um, you know, if you're doing that, if you're doing that type of thing, but, um, Western States in particular, I always bring it up because I mean, it, it was ungodly hot that year. I mean, it's, it's always known to be a hot race, but like the statistics from 2021, I think it was the, the hardest year st t statistically for um, DNFs, um, just because of the the heat, it was absolutely relentless. But he hiked himself down into one of those canyons um, and surprised me honestly, because I mean it was it was like four miles down, and there I was got got to an aid station and there was Jeremy and I'm like, whoa, Jeremy, what's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeremy he had hiked himself down and yeah, there were, there were a couple races like Western and Leadville where he like with his equipment was doing, um, 20, I think 25 miles, um, of being on foot for himself. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, he's, he's an athlete himself. He's very passionate about what he does. And he actually did his first Bighorn 50, um, this summer. So yeah, he's, very accomplished in, in his own right. Um, but yeah, no, he's a, he's a good dude to have in your, in your corner for sure. Awesome. So you mentioned uh, race directing. So what races do you race direct? Yeah. So I'm on the uh, 307 running um, board, kind of just a local um, LLC that we've created here in Casper. Um, Mike Deesberg, um, Jason Neville, Bill Atkinson, kind of a founding founding ultra, I guess, runners of that, of that 307 running LLC. Um, we've created a, uh, running group, um, called the Casper ultra trail running society. We're on Facebook. Um, we're, we do local group runs, um, every Tuesday, Tuesday night trail runs, um, kind of just backstory to that. But, um, yeah, so I'm the race director for the um, Nightcrawler Endurance Challenge. This was the sixth year of it, um, and that I help with the um, the Skunk Hollow Sneaker Chase. Um, those are our two big trail runs that we do here in Casper, up on our local mountain here, Casper Mountain. Um, so those are the two big events that we that we um, that we host um, through 307 Running. 
Um, but then we also do like running workshops. We do the group runs kind of throughout the year, um, kind of to just keep people psyched and keep people um, engaged in that um, trail running community that we, that we, that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, but yeah, the night crawler um, is, is my, my brainchild, my, my baby as it were. And um, yeah, it's been a fun, fun process, fun to see kind of how that's grown um, from the first year. Um, it's grown every year. We've gotten more and more people, especially from South Dakota um, that, uh, that, that keep coming back from year to year and um, bringing more friends. And that's, that's really the only marketing we've really done for it outside of like some small shameless plugs on Facebook, like in different run groups on Facebook. Like it's really just been word of mouth um, marketing. And um, that's what has, what keeps people coming back. So that's encouraging to see from a race director's aspect. Like obviously people like it cause they keep coming back. And um, yeah, it's just a, a fun way to um, kind of get an ultra in if you want. Um, test your limits, um, see maybe how far you can go in 12 hours. There's no, there's no stress as far as like, I have to be out here 12 hours. It's just, that's how long the event lasts. And, um, what you, what you, what you put in there, you, you get it, you get out what you put in, I guess is, is the way is the best way to describe it. Are you thinking about doing any other races? Um, directing any other races? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I have, I have thought about it. You know, the, the night crawler was kind of born from a, we have just a lot of landlocked property in and around Casper and this, that, that group that I mentioned earlier, the Casper ultra trail running society, um, kind of our founding members, we, for the longest time had been trying to figure out how we could host our own ultra in Casper. And, um, anytime we would come up with a route, we had, ah, geez, we have to cross that private land or oh, that private land or that private land. And it's just kind of, it kind of got, got to a point where it's like, ah, I just don't know if we can do it that way. And then I, uh, went down and did a 12 hour event down in Colorado. Um, that I was like, I could do it this way. Um, kind of talked with the other guys on the, on the board and was like, what do you guys think? We're like, do it. So, um, that's, so that's what I did. Um, I kind of did a lot of the same, a lot of the same, same things that I experienced in the race down in the, in that 12 hour race that I did down in Colorado with some own, with, with my own kind of little twists, like the washing machine style, um, switching directions each lap. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just felt like a way to host an event um, in a somewhat less intimidating fashion um, to introduce people to uh, trail run at night. Um, and so that's that's kind of what I, I kind of took it upon myself to to do that. And with the support of support of my family and 307 running, um, here we are. Um, it's not going away, and it keeps growing. And um, yeah, so I have actually thought about adding some other some other wrinkles um, to the Nightcrawler, as well as um, 
you know, these last, these last runner standing events that keep popping up all over. Um, I've thought about doing something like that. Um, something where it doesn't matter. Um, private, private property rights and that kind of stuff. Like, well, I can find a 4.16 mile loop pretty easily. Um, so yeah, I mean, just little things like that. Um, things that I enjoy, you know, like testing my limits, pushing myself to my limits, finding out new things about myself in that kind of running realm. Um, if I can help people kind of figure that out for themselves at an event like that, that's going to be something that, um, that drives me to, to do that. So haven't thought too hard about it, but I have started kind of gotten the wheels turning on, um, possibly adding that as an event in the future. Um, because why not? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I like it. So uh, a couple questions we like to ask our guests. Um, what kind of gear do you use? Yeah. Oh man. The, what kind of gear I've, I mean, I've, I guess the first caveat to that would be like, what kind of gear haven't I used? Um, <laughs> I feel I like mean, every ultra right. runners that way. You got to find what and works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a trial and error. Um, you, you figure out what, what works for you. Um, I've never been like, Oh, I'm going to run in that shoe because that person's doing it. It's like, no, I'm going to try everything because, and figure out what works best for me. Um, and so that's very much been my process continues to be my process. Definitely have landed on some companies that, um, that, I, that are, that do do things the right way and that have great customer service. And, um, those for me, the first one that comes to mind is Exoskin. Um, it's a made in the USA product. Um, they supply my toe socks, um, uh, liner shorts, and um, also I'm, I'm a ski coach as well. So they do some um, compression wear that I use. Um, and yeah, so Exoskin is is one that I definitely can't say enough about. Um, like I said, made in the USA, great customer service. They just do, they do all the little things right. I mean, like every order that you make, they have like personal little handwritten notes um, from, from, I mean, they, it's just little things like that, that they, that they do. Um, so Exoskin is one. Um, I just ordered a pair, another pair of socks. I have a couple pair of their socks, but I just ordered some higher up socks for winter running. Oh man. Yeah. They're, they're bomb proof. I love them. I, I, I tried in Gingy's. They were good. I, I just kind of ran into durability issues with, with, within Gingy's and I haven't, and I haven't had durability issues whatsoever with Exoskin. Um, and yeah, I've gotten their, their wool, their wool socks, their wool toe socks that I use for skiing. Um, they're, like I said, they're just, they're bomb proof. Um, I've had zero issues with chafing blisters um, with their products, and that's 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 a lot to be said for for some of the events that I've done, some of the conditions that I've done them in. Um, so yeah, Exoskin. Um, another one is Rudy Project. Um, they uh, they're an Italian company, but they have a headquarters here in the U.S. Um, for um, sunglasses. Um, I like wearing sunglasses when I run. So 
they have some some great products out there that are uh, photochromic so they change from sun to shade trees to trees to being in the open um, they've got some great products there so that's a rudy project um, then i i um i had i ran for quite a few years in in ultras um kind of dove into those the neutral um you know zero drop um toe-shaped foot box was great for me for years um started developing issues with my achilles um kind of just had some achilles tightness or calf tightness um kind of just thought like well maybe it's because i don't have that little bit of drop um maybe that's creating some issues so i i started running in some in some solomon shoes um and that fixed my issues with my achilles um pretty much instantly the first long run that i did in my six millimeter drop trail trail running shoes from solomon fixed that issue so um so i've been running in solomon ever since um i run it the my shoe my current shoes are the um pulsar trails um my grand slam shoes that i ran through all through through all last summer were um combination of the um oh uh, the um i'm gonna draw a blank here um the solomon sense ultra threes and then the, the and then the also the um Oh my gosh, that's gonna drive me nuts. I was just thinking about them because I love the shoes. Uh, sense ride. No, uh, I do have the sense rides. Those are good training shoes. Um, oh my gosh, the uh, oh, <laughs> it's a four millimeter drop. The Ultra Glides. Um, yep, Solomon Ultra Glides were my Grand Slam shoes of choice. Um, they got me through um last summer um with no issue whatsoever um so yeah i can't say enough about them i know there's a lot of people like wow they're so pricey and like yeah the sticker shock initially is is there but um i have yet to run into a product with with them because i also use their vests um their running vests um that has not lasted and lasted and lasted so you very you very much get what you pay for. At least that has been my experience with Solomon. Um, yeah, I think the majority of people that I know have, have made that swap. Yep, yep, absolutely. Like I said, the initial sticker shock it is like, but when the stuff lasts and does what it's supposed to, it makes that sticker shock uh, go away pretty quick. Um, let's see, then, uh, let me see what else. Can't really think of anything else off the top of my head. Um, Tailwind, I was using Tailwind um, stuff for promotion stuff um, for the documentary that Jeremy reached to. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the products that, that, that I'm mentioning, they, they were companies that also, when we reached out to them um, for support um, for the documentary, we for promotional support they sent us stuff. Um, so again, they, they, they understood that, um, I mean, I understand for bigger companies like Solomon, it's not much to send out something, but they responded. So, I mean, that, that, that says something too, for, 
a grassroots kind of passion project for big companies like Solomon to send out products to Joe Blow and J Jeremy Miller. Um, that, that, that speaks volumes to me as far as guys that are, or companies that are, that kind of do things right, that do things the right way. Yeah. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. So that, so that was very cool. So, and I'm definitely not obligated to say that they sent me stuff. I just felt like that would, uh, to say that because they, they did send some stuff. That was, that was very cool. It's not something we were expecting. We're just like, what's the harm in that? Um, so yeah, um, they, they, they got some, they, they, we were customers to them beforehand and will continue to be so because, because of the way that they treated us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the second question we like to ask is we're trying to grow our audience. So yeah. who should we interview next? Who should you interview next? You should interview Jeremy Miller. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Cause like I said, he's, he's just a force of nature that um, organically I was introduced to through running and um, he's doing some big stuff um, beyond just the documentary that he did here um, for chasing 400. Um, but uh, he's actually gotten into run coaching himself. Um, you can, you can see his passion. You can see his passion, just, um, just what he does, the way he carries himself. Um, and he's got, he's, he's developed a pretty, pretty fantastic following just because of his, um, just because of his character, his charisma. Um, he's, he's a pretty infectious dude in, the, in a really good way. Um, so that would be somebody that I would encourage you guys to reach out to is Jeremy Miller. Awesome. Yeah. I was kind of good. thinking that when you were mentioning him, I'm like, man, he would probably be a cool person to, to have yeah. on. He's definitely got a story to tell and that's kind of what we're looking for. Yep. He's a force of nature for sure. And um, yeah, it always shocks me every time when I find out that he's like, he's like 25 years old. I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> he's, he, he's got more figured out than I, than I did at that stage of my life for sure. But um at that stage of my life, I just knew that I liked running. I didn't, I like, I didn't, I, I had passions about things, but like the way he's been able to um, kind of direct his passions and like be able to be like connected on so many different fronts. It's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty inspiring. We'll have to give him a, we'll have to give him a shout out and see if he'll come on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, Justin. Um, we're going to leave a little time for you to sell whatever you want to sell for yourself, your social media, your race, your documentary. Yeah. Um, so, um, I'm on Facebook. I don't, I don't do Twitter. Um, I, I my Facebook and my uh, Instagram has basically turned into my, my running logbook, I guess, or adventure <laughs> log. Um, I don't post a lot. I post when things when things move me, when I do some pretty, some pretty, some, some, some fun things with my body, uh, or like when I, when I have the opportunity to support my support system. Um, so yeah, I post a lot about that. Um, but not frequently. Um, so yeah, I'm on Facebook, just my name, Justin Kenner. I'm on, uh, Instagram at J underscore Kenner 86. Um, 
yeah, I'm not super active. I mean, I do, I, I I'm on it, but I, like I said, I'm not active posting a, a lot. Of, I don't post until, until something moves me or until people ask me about things or like with my recent, uh, this recent kind of health issue. Um, there have been people that have been reaching out like, Hey, keep us, keep us updated. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I am, am keeping updated as best I can on that. Um, so yeah, Facebook, Instagram, um, Look us up on Facebook as well. Our uh, Casper Ultra Trail Running Society on Facebook, and um, yeah, we're we're still doing local group runs here in Casper um, on Tuesdays. Um, we're gonna try to continue those throughout the year, um, as long as people keep showing up. Um, we'll continue hosting them. So yeah, Casper Ultra Trail Running Society, um, and then yeah, Nightcrawler Endurance Challenge. Next year will be our seventh year. Hope to see you guys back. Um, <laughs> and bring in some more people with you. Um, it's on Ultra Sign Up. It's I don't have next year's event on there yet, but it will be on Ultra Sign Up. Um, yeah, Nightcrawler Endurance Challenge. It's a it's a good time. Um, yeah, uh, that's really all I can think of. Sorry. Uh, promotional stuff for myself, which I hate doing, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I understand that uh, if, if but I understand and appreciate that if my stories and what I've gone through can help people that kind of reach their limits, set their limits, um, I'll very happily crawl outside of my comfort zone to, uh, to help people fulfill those, those things for themselves. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and telling us your story. I'm sure yeah. some people are going to find it. Um, motivated, get awesome. motivated, <laughs> then yeah. under, understand a little more about you and what you're going through right now. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully draw some, uh, some more attention to the documentary. I watched it this summer and it was super awesome. I really enjoyed it. So yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully you can get that out there a little bit more, put you even more into the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, had a blast listening and, asking questions and it was, it was just a great time. So, uh, thanks for giving up a hour and 45 minutes of your time to sit here and have yeah, a conversation. Yeah. I appreciate you guys for sure. Thanks. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been produced and edited by backbeat sound. Come and find us on Instagram at backbeat sound 1776 or email us at backbeat sound 1776 at gmail.com.